take thou authority to preach the gospel. Indeed, I look upon all the world as my parish. Welcome to our latest episode of Field Preachers. Uh, this is part two of a really special podcast that we released last week, uh, where we sat down with church planters, female church planters, representing all five jurisdictions of the United Methodist Church, to ask them a little more about their experiences and their story. And we will continue to hear from these incredible women in this week's podcast, specifically around um, the issues of the Me Too movement and other things specifically affecting maybe just not female church planters, but female clergy as well. So I really hope that you're able to learn a lot. Now, if you are a, if you identify as male and you're listening and wondering if you should even continue to listen, please do because there is a section here where all of the women share something that their male colleagues can do to really help support and encourage them in ministry. So I invite you all to listen in and learn as much as I did uh, from the women who shared on today's panel. What would you say to a young female planter who doesn't know if she can do it? Um, Or especially, you know, some of you mentioned the whole mom thing. If you're single, if you're, you know, divorced or married or with with or without kids, like we all have gifts to bring in that stage. Um, What would you say to someone in your same stage of life about whether or not they should give planting a try? If you feel called, your stage of life connects you to people you're not connected to at any other stage of life. And I love, the, so we, if you're implanting, you care about people who don't already go to church. And an advantage that women in planting have, regardless of our natural gifts or personalities, um, people trust us faster because we don't look like that pastor who harmed them. If, because primarily that was men. So some of our male colleagues are incredibly compassionate and have a deep care for anyone who's been harmed by the church and might have to jump more hurdles to build trust and relationship. And we, and women who are listening to this, you get the opportunity to be in relationship faster. You'll be trusted before you've even had a chance to earn that trust. And you have a little precious kiddo in your arms that might even happen faster, but absolutely um, having a kid is not needed for a church. Not only should you not be blocked, but have a kid, don't have a kid, like do whatever, but it's not a block and uh, it can be an entry point. I think really any, like, as my friend was saying, um, I think the whoever you are gives you relationships in your community if you're about your community at all. And so that connects you with the needs in your community, with the passions of your community. So whatever, you know, I went into ministry with a, I went into church planting with a one-year-old and she was my entry into a whole world. Like, and I met everybody in my new city through her. Um, but other people have, you know, could do that through the soccer games or through, you know, the workout place or whatever it is. There's places in your life where hopefully you're meeting 
people, even if you're not a church planner, <laughs> if you're a Christian of any kind, hopefully there's other places in your life <laughs> where you're meeting people who don't go to church. Um, this is like, <laughs> yes, who do not live in the same bubble that you do. Um, and you can learn from them and they can learn from you. And, um, that's, I mean, I hope for all of us, whether you plant a church or not, that you have places in your life where you're meeting new people and experience sharing love and receiving love and, and living in the way of Jesus because Jesus was about the people who, who were on the edges. So I think, um, this journey into not just church planting, but being a female pastor and voicing a call and figuring out how you find your place. Um, one of the things that is helpful to me and has been helpful in conversations is to think about if you were talking to your best girlfriend or you were talking to your daughter, or you're even talking to, to your mom or a mentor who started to express that they felt like God was calling them to do this thing or to be a part of something that they didn't quite understand yet. And yet they kept putting everybody else first that maybe it's time for you to claim that for yourself and to find that place where you can be bold and courageous into the place God's called you to go. And, and other people will come with you, right? The people you care about will come with you because they care about you. And chances are they've seen that in you as well. Um, and so that's not like that's a guarantee and it's definitely not easy. It's, it's sometimes a hard, hard road. And yet, um, to claim that gift of ministry for yourself is really important. So another random question, I didn't even, we haven't even talked about this. So my experience could be just that only my experience, but I found um, in my years of ministry and planting that the biggest pushback or like bitterness or antagonism that I faced from pastors came from female pastors and not guys. Has that been your experience? And why, why can't we celebrate and walk alongside each other? Like, why do, why do we do that? Right. When I was appointed to a church plant, somebody actually said to me, um, you can't do that. You're not going to be, you're not going to be called to that. And then they would say, what did you do wrong? to get appointed to a church plant. And it was not my male colleagues. It was my female colleagues. And so I actually think one of the things we can do, if you're a pastor listening to this podcast, or even for those of us in the room is to do a better job of supporting one another and recognizing one another and honoring those gifts, um, and, and being sure that we're being encouragers. I guess I need to say thank you to the women and men who are around me because I didn't, I've not experienced that. And certainly in this circle, it's only like amazing support. So women out there, like you can find really positive women who will support you too. So thank you to all of those women who supported me. I mean, I, I remember when I told um, the female pastor that I was working with, that I was pregnant with my second child, my daughter. And her response was like, she sighed and she looked at me and she said, I really thought you were committed to Christ and the church. Like, I'm, I'm like so disappointed that God is not your priority. And I was like, wait, I'm sorry. What? I like, what? Um, thankfully I reached out to my plant coach who is male, but was 
like horrified at her response. I was like, no, this is a good thing. Life is always good. New life is what church planters are about. Like that's okay. And I think one of the best gifts I gave my church plant was being pregnant as we birthed the church together too, because I couldn't do it all myself. I was on sabbatical after Easter because that's when I had my little girl. And so it was great to see the community come around me and, um, you know, men, women, everyone in the church were supportive of what was going on. But, but yeah, I think we've had mixed reactions, but a lot of us have faced like struggles and adversity from other women. So we're in it together. I have your back, ladies. We can do this and empower other women to continue doing that as well. So ladies, let's talk for a minute about the Me Too or Church Too movement and Methodism. What kind of sexual harassment um, or assaults or experiences have you had that have been negative in the church? I, I think they happen. I think they happen um, often and sometimes uh, in ways that I'm not really aware of until later. I'm like, ooh, that was kind of icky. Um, but once, not that long ago, I was um, in the receiving line and I had a congregation member, a, a male, go, oh, I like your hair like that today. And it's like, okay, whatever. And I'm like, but I'm like, the way he said it was, I like the way you did that. And I'm like, I'm, you know, I didn't understand what he was saying. And he's like, you know, your hair, the way you have it down. And he reached up and like, 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 like your hair and grabbed my hair and to show me what he liked about how I dressed that day and stuff like that happens. I think that that's, um, so normal. And in talking to other female colleagues too, like inappropriate touch, that's not really over the line but like right on the line and you're like, I'm in relationship with you. Like you're my parishioner and I'm supposed to be your pastor. And so I don't really want to call you out in this moment for the inappropriateness of the way that you're touching me because it's not really like you're just touching my hair. I mean, just to like, but it's, it's makes me uncomfortable and it's violating me. Um, I'll recover from that, but it's this sort of like familiarity that men have with pastors, with female pastors, I think that is this sort of like, I have permission to be close to you physically, um, that gets in this really sort of icky space of like, what, what am I supposed to like for me? Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, how am I supposed to claim my space and tell you that, like, no, don't do that and still be in relationship with you? Recently, I got to be not the pastor at a wedding, but I got to be in the wedding. So we all got to wear black dresses. I looked good in it. All the women and all the men in the wedding party looked good. There were women and men on both sides, um, grooms people and brides people. And then um, a lot of people from the church plant were invited. And our church plant is... Um, I anywhere between 30 to 55% queer. And at the um, reception, I um, was, I went out to the dance floor cause I'm friends with the bride and groom. Not, I was, I'm not their pastor. I'm friends with them, but 
lots of church people were there and it was the women who were like coming around me and dancing with me way too close and like, no, you don't, I don't care if you're male or female, you don't get, I'm still your pastor. You don't get to grind with me. And so I just had to stay off of the dance floor. So I, as, as we talk about this, I don't want to just say that it, it's men behaving badly, especially as our churches become more inclusive. And then the other thing I want to say that it's yay to women in ministry. Um, the um, number of women who have been raped and sexually assaulted and then kept that a secret in their churches, that women in ministry shine a light on that and um, uh, create safe spaces for our people to begin to heal. And the number of women who have said to me, um, I was raped when I was 16 and I never felt comfortable sharing this in a church. And for that to, um, for the healing that can begin to happen. And I just wish it was, I wish we didn't need hashtag me too, or hashtag church too. And then, and then the step further is the number of women who were, um, sexually assaulted by their male pastors and it was kept a secret. And as women in ministry, we get this special opportunity to, um, call that shit out and, um, begin to help and heal and change that. I totally agree. Um, and I think it's because I I wasn't a victim of sexual assault in the church. It was um, at school. But being able to share that story in my church, you're right. The women, men, anyone who's been hurt and victimized were able to come and share that story. And we were we could connect them to counselors or ways to just find healing that's been buried for so long. But I think I got so angry after being assaulted that when I was training, training to be a pastor and in seminary. And I did a field ed placement. They put me with a man who like at the orientation, put his hand on like my upper thigh and was just like from, we had just met. And I looked at him like, are you insane? And he did not feel it was inappropriate. And I said, do you know, I have recently had self-defense training and I could kill you 50 different ways with my purse. Like, don't touch me. Again, and when I told some female pastors that, they were like, oh, why would you say? And I'm like, we've just got to stop tolerating it. We have to say, if you are going to touch my body and I don't want you to, then you will feel the consequences of that action. Like, right now, <laughs> I have a male colleague in the room who's like, I am never shaking Rachel's hand again. <laughs> she will kill me in 50 ways. Um, but like, if we keep playing by these rules then we cannot change this system that yeah. says women have to be this or do this or be treated in this way. Um, it's, we have lots of work to do ladies, but this room, this circle, like I have never seen this many female planters together. And there's way more beyond what just happened to be together at this um, event. So I'm just glad that you were able to share. So one thing that has come up, and that's another sign of hope and light and life, is that I think almost every guy that we've interacted with at this conference has been wonderfully affirming. Do you want to share tips for male pastors or just guys in general that want to know how to honor us and work with us in loving, helpful ways? 
So I said when we were talking about this earlier, some of the things um, that make a difference and have made a difference for us over the last uh, week or so have been just to listen um, and and to see us as people and to recognize that that as we're walking from one place to another or as we're attending a, an event together, as we're learning alongside of one another um, to make room for us to share opinions and and to really interact with those opinions in a way that honors them as a full voice at the table. Um, and we have many, many male colleagues who do this very, very well. And, and it, it gives hope and it opens the doorway for those women that are coming a generation or two generations after us, that there will be space at the table for them to sit and be heard and be seen and, and to be honored and acknowledged, um, as a full participant in the ministry we do together. Uh, last night I had a colleague um, kind of just approach me and say, listen, I'm really grateful that I get to be in ministry with you, that we're doing this together. And we've traveled for a few years, to, years together um, in the ordination process. But to just say, I'm grateful that we're doing this together. And that was good for me. That's powerful. I think to ask what we need or ask, like, don't just assume we need your advice, but also be willing to share it um, and like share the knowledge, but don't just say, well, let me tell you how say like, well, what are you struggling with? And maybe use like coaching techniques even um, and to be open and willing and listening. It's back to that listening. That's part of why we love our United Methodist colleagues who uh, originally fought for um, women to get the opportunity to be ordained. I So I'm old enough that I was ordained and there used to be a two-step process. So I was actually ordained before I was married and I kind of secretly, not secretly at all, love that I was never a Mrs. I was reverend before I was Mrs. So uh, it's really awesome. Um, I guess sometimes... I realize um, how defensive I am, not defensive, how my defenses are up around certain um, male colleagues and how I expect them to mansplain me. I expect them to not listen to me. I expect them to dismiss my experience because that's fairly normative. And so when that doesn't happen, <laughs> And like, I like, I'm like, oh, like, this is kind of like, this is kind of remarkable that like, I can be in a room with a group of men and feel like I'm on an equal, like I'm contributing to the conversation in the, I'm not a third wheel. I'm not an extra person. I'm not someone that's just talking and they're not really listening and they'll move on. Um, in the conversation they were already having before I interject. And they're also not like, oh, let me get the door for you. But they're also not like offended when I get the door for them. You know, like um, it's just I think mutuality <laughs> with females, with males is just so rare, even among clergy colleagues, that um, it's just something we need so much more than we have it. I completely agree. And I guess my last tip for 
anyone out there, well, specifically for male pastors who have um, female clergy in their midst, is be the one to speak up first and say, what is um, the salary compensation like for men and women in our district? Like for that to start with a male voice, it totally changes the way it's heard by the people in power. Um and be the first one to say, wow, when was the last time you did a sermon series on the women of the Bible or on women being mistreated in scripture and taking a stand against that? If it only ever comes from a female voice, um, it's still strong. It's still important. We need to be doing that. But it's amplified when it's echoed by our male clergy as well. So ask those questions first and take that initiative for us. And the story we heard about communion had the male colleagues at that church said, why in the world would you not do that? That is, that is a sin. Maybe not that far, of course, but if the men, if the male pastors would have had those conversations, what a different, it turned out to be a good story, but it wouldn't have had to come to your office. Exactly. And I'm sure we could all share stories of times where it was the lady in our church who were male that took a stand and said, I'm sorry, I follow the leadership of her because she's a remarkable leader, not because she's a male or a woman, like to just again, start that and initiate those conversations just from the lay level. It transforms the DNA, just shifts that culture for good. So um, you ladies are absolutely incredible. And I respect and love and admire all of you and the work that you're doing. And I look forward to many, another half century of ministry together, right? We have only just begun. We're, we're still very, very young and vibrant. And there are lots of people who need to know Jesus's love. So um, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you guys so much to everybody who's listening for joining us. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or follow up from these anonymous voices. I can get you their, you know, abundant wisdom if you email me indiscreetly at uh, rgilmore at umcdiscipleship.org. Thank you so much. Bye. Thank you for listening in and hearing so much about the experience of these incredible women. Uh, For those of you who are called to church planting and identify as female and are wondering what's next, how do I connect to other incredible chick planters like this? Uh, Reach out, reach out to me, email me at rgilmore at umcdiscipleship.org because ladies, we have Facebook groups, we have ways to encourage and support one another. And if uh, COVID-19 declines in the summer of 2021 and we're able to safely travel, we are planning to rent out an Airbnb. It's invite only, but we're going to have just an amazing group of female church planters gathered together specifically to support and encourage and network with each other in the summer of 2021. So if you want to know more about that, if you want to stay connected, know what's going on, please reach out and email me. And thank you again for joining us on this week's podcast. Field Preachers Podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.